Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Randy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, we're doing a quick breakdown on the uh, Uncharted Virtual Conference, which was bonkers. It was so, so great. It was better than I even hoped it would be. Um, I, If you're hearing this and you're like, ah, I missed it. We're going to have some more uh, stuff like that coming up, and you're going to want to be a part of it. So keep your ears appealed to the podcast, and I'll let you know when it's coming. So uh, it was it was awesome. We unpacked that a little bit, and then we get into gossiping doctors, which I'm sure that no one has dealt with, but uh, but it is a, it's a thing that happens, just so you know. You won't believe it, but it does happen. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. Hey guys, Dr. Mark Alcott is a friend of mine. He's a uh, emergency veterinarian. He came to the first Uncharted Vet Conference. His company, Vitus Vet, is on a mission to help front desk heroes with easy-to-use technology that reduces phone calls by 70% while boosting revenue. You'll have more time to do what you do best, and that's help clients and heal pets. The Vitus Vet platform includes unlimited two-way text and picture messaging, digital service and refill reminders, appointment scheduling, a practice app that's branded to your practice, monthly payment plans for clients, and checkout tablets that work anywhere. It's all included, and it integrates with most veterinary PIMs, Uncharted listeners get two months free. Learn more at vitusvet.com slash uncharted. That's vitusvet.com slash uncharted. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. Don't start nothing. Won't be nothing. Goss. <laughs> How are you doing there, buddy? I'm good. How are you, Andy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to have you back. Man, that was a great conference, wasn't it? Oh, man. I still am riding the high. It's been a... It's been a good week, and I have had a perma smile on my face. It is always so, so good to see all of our friends and my chosen family when we get together for Uncharted. Like, there's there's nothing that lifts me up as much as spending time with this amazing group of people. It really did feel like like an actual event, didn't it? Oh, my gosh. like, I feel like I saw these people, and I did stuff, and I talked to people one-on-one, and, like, I got I got heard, and yeah. I got advice. Like, that's, yeah, it really yeah. did feel like, uh, like a real event, and, like, it had that uncharted magic, like that, you know, my cup is full kind of feeling going away. Yeah, totally, and I really, um, I actually really enjoyed um, moving to digital. I was really nervous. It, I think we all were about, is it going to have the magic? Are we going to feel like we're actually together in, in the Weston and Greenville? And um, I was particularly worried about our, what <laughs> the group that we affectionately call the newbies, you know, people mm-hmm. who have never been to Uncharted and they might know one person in the community because they got referred, but they might not know anybody. Um, and it's hard coming into a loud and crazy group sometimes um, and so when we are together in Greenville, we, um, you know, it's nice to be able to talk in the lobby when people register one-on-one and say, Hey, you know, I've seen you online. I'm really excited to getting to know you this week. You get to have those personal touches. And I was a little bit worried about how that would be, um, in a digital environment. And I have to say, I feel like I actually got to spend more time one-on-one and getting to know some of our, um, some of our new Uncharted members in this way. And I loved it. I had some amazing conversations in small groups and one-on-one with people um, that I just so, so treasure. And it really definitely filled my cup. Yeah. We're, um, we learned a lot doing this, you know, it was, um, and so, so let's we'll we this turn this around to 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 the business coaching that we do. You try things sometimes, you know what I mean. You put yourself out there and you pilot the program, and we we ran it. And I think if if I had if, if it had been up to me, then I wouldn't. I don't think I would have had COVID. I, I'm just going to say throw that out there. If it had been up to if I'd been asked by the universe. I think I would have taken a pass on this whole COVID 2020 thing. And, um, I, I you know, I don't know if it's too, I don't want to overstep here, but I just, am, right. I, feel differently. I would pass. Um, I would have passed on the COVID thing. And then I would have done this in a much smaller piloted way 
to make right. sure that it worked. Because when I guys when I said the the un, our Uncharted online conference was not like anything else, I, I'm not kidding. And you better believe that gives me a lot of anxiety because I hadn't uh, not only had I not seen what we did done before, I never heard of what we did right. being done before. And I'm I'm sure somebody else somewhere else has figured it out because it is it was awesome, but I I had never heard of it. And right. so um yeah, I had a lot of anxiety. I would have much preferred to roll out some small pilots because that's how we make changes, right? That's we, right. we pilot, we, what's the, um, fail small and fail fast and fail cheap is, is right. generally the mantra. Uh, and, and because we had to cancel the April conference and I really wanted to, to, to turn that into something, we really got kind of fast tracked into a much higher stakes game yeah. than I wanted to be in, but there we were. And so, you know, we leaned into what we know and what we're good at, and we played to our strengths very much. And uh, we made a damn good conference, and I really, really like it. So anyway, sometimes, uh, sometimes we get put in positions where we don't get to pilot. Play to your strengths. Don't, don't, don't worry too, too much about your weaknesses. Play, play to your strengths because you're going to do better having a, uh, an event, a conference, a business uh, program that is really heavy on your strengths as opposed to a very safe program that doesn't use your strengths but is not scary at all. So that was my takeaway. Yeah, it was a, it was a great, great week. And I think we, we've gotten some great feedback from our community members and um, new, new and old alike. And I think everybody really um, took a lot away because I think we're, when we get together, we're always all grappling with things that are happening in our practice. But it was so nice to get together in such a safe environment and talk so openly and honestly about the hard realities that are happening in all of our practices right now. Practices who are worried still about going under um, due to finances and business and all the effects of COVID, you know, practices that are struggling in a way that they never have uh, before with, with staffing. I was talking with managers um, five of their CSRs have now tested positive for COVID and have been out. Like, imagine your whole front desk team being out. What do you What do you do with that? Like, how do you How do you run the business? And so, um, you know, it was really nice to to have everybody feel like we could be together in a safe space and we could talk about those things openly and honestly and shed some of the emotion and rant and and air the frustrations and then. Um, and then turn it around and look at it critically and say, how do I actually problem solve this? Um, and so I, that's one of the things that I love the most about Uncharted. And so when we got this message um, for this episode today, it made me think of that because I think it's one of the things that we're really good at doing. And so I'm actually really excited to, to talk about this, uh, this mailbag piece we got today. Yeah. Well, let me, let me jump in. Because you said something that I think is really, really important. I think when COVID stuff started, a lot of us kind of panicked and we said, I don't know what I'm dealing with. The world is changing. Everybody is is panicking. Everybody's mm-hmm. trying to deal with it. And we had a lot of people join Uncharted. And we um and we opened up a, a free six weeks in Uncharted mm-hmm. just because we wanted to help people, right? We were mm-hmm. like, hey, we're we're we are talking about this literally three times a week. We're doing round tables, talking about updating people and and um and I think that was what we needed to do and our practices needed that and we did it. And I think that uh, the resounding feedback has been, God, that was amazing and really helpful and got some yeah. speed. Now that we're sort of past that initial panic point, my worry is that people are suffering in silence because they yeah. don't see the panic everywhere around them and things have sort of quieted down. And so they feel like, oh, no one else is still panicking or still struggling. All right. I'm hearing is things are getting better and they're not getting better for me. And now I feel like a failure. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be the one person who's struggling. Let me tell you, you are not the one person who's struggling. There mm-hmm. are, there are clinics that are doing very, very well in uh, COVID. We actually had great workshops on that and uh, talks from practice owners in our community that have, that have done very, very well in the last few months, as far as mm-hmm. running their practice, seeing their patients uh, generating right. profits and revenue. And they've done great. There are a lot of our practices that uh, have been on the edge and feel like they're on the edge. And um, if that's you, I want you to know that you're not alone. Um, I will put the uh, the link for uh, six weeks in Uncharted down in the description of this podcast. And um, and you you 
come come and join us if if you're feeling that way because yeah. we have those resources we uh we are supporting those practices we are not going to uh to we're not, we're not going to let you go under if if you're willing to work and you want to be a part of of um uh, of a of a great tribe and culture we will support you so uh so, and then the, the other thing is um you know and said we'll, we'll do it for free just because it's the right thing to do so um so six weeks in uncharted come in you can soak up all the knowledge you can see our school our resources everything we'll help you just purely because we we want to and it's the right thing to do so anyway i'm gonna put that out i'll put that in the in the show notes uh for, for anyone who's feeling that way I love it. let's let's do get into this episode so we're um so we're talking about gossiping doctors right <clears throat> i got a um a message and it says help I have talked to three doctors this week in all caps about participating in gossip with the staff. Whenever I try to talk about how listening to gossip is just reinforcing the problems, the doctors say that they quote, want the staff to be able to come to them with problems End quote. What do I do here? I can't fight gossip. If the associates are participating, even if it's just passively listening, Dr. Heard it through the grapevine. So that's <laughs> love it so much. Doctor heard it through the grapevine. Doctor heard it uh, through the grapevine. Is that a problem? <laughs> I love it. You I have never it. heard and... about gossiping doctors. That is oh, a problem God. that uh, rarely exists. Correct? Never, never, <laughs> and, and never have I heard about gossiping um, team members or gossiping lead technicians or CSRs or gossiping practice managers actually never, it's not something that happens. Right. Nope. All right. <laughs> you ready to get into this? Yes, absolutely. Let's, let's, and it goes a little something like this, hit it. It uh, starts with headspace Our uh, headspace. You're, you're the manager. Uh, <clears throat> let me say this. Uh, and I, I want to actually, I don't think you and I've ever talked about this. And you may just, you may shoot this straight out of the water. Um, if you are going to deal with the doctors, it really helps you. And I, it should not be the case. And I think we're moving away from this, but I'm just telling you as far as effectiveness, if you're going to deal with the doctors, it really helps if you're a doctor or if you've got a doctor that is a hundred percent on your team. Uh, I think, yeah, that's it. I just, I just say it out there. And I, I think that there's a lot of, um, of doctors think that they that they have a specter, special doctor powers or doctor speak or doctor concerns and uh, for whatever reason uh, when a doctor says to them this is not okay that's different from a manager and for some reason the fact that you didn't go to medical school doesn't mean that you can manage them I, I, I don't exactly know why that seems to be the case sometimes and it's not it's not everywhere I'm, I'm making broad generalizations do you agree with that is it helpful to have a doctor involved in this conversation um, y yes and no. Uh, so I, I am totally with you on the fact that, um, there are a lot of practices out there, particularly practices who still are, or have been in the recent past, um, a, a hierarchy set up within the practice where the, I say you do, and it comes from the doctors down and it right. starts generally with the practice owner and works its way down through all of the other doctors. And then no matter what they do, it works its way down to the team. Um, and so I see that a lot. And I know that when I started as a manager, I worked in practices where that was the case. And um, it took a lot of work to come to the point where I had um, the support and backing of the practice owners to shift that model. But yeah. for sure, if you're in that that model um, and or if you're in a model um, like like mine currently, whereas the manager, I am wrangling all the chaos monkeys, including the doctors. And I am in charge of everybody from a from a, you know, quote unquote, boss perspective. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there are a separate set of rules for the doctors versus the rest of the team. The doctors get exceptions that the rest of the team doesn't, whether it's, you know, being able to use their phone and nobody else on the team can, or, um, you know, the doctors can come in late, but the team can't, those kind of things. If that is the culture within your practice, that is a very hard place uh, to, to manage this from. And so that I definitely agree with you on that. That being said, I personally 
um, in a space where I would have no problem tackling this on my own. But I do 100% agree with you that I am most often more effective talking to doctors who don't think that they're doing anything wrong when there's another doctor involved. Yeah. I let, don't let, I don't know what it is about that mindset. <laughs> well, let, let, let me clarify my position because you, you're exactly right. Here's, here's why I said that. And as it was coming out of my mouth, I was trying to get my hands around, why do I feel this way? Why am I saying this? Uh, here's, here's honest to God truth. Um, if you are one of the unfortunate practice managers who is not supported entirely by practice owner or by corporate and, and empowered to deal with doctors, this can be a nightmare. And we've all seen those practices where the practice owner hires a manager and then does not endorse or wholly support or empower him or her. And then that's a nightmare. And, and yeah. so I guess that that's what that's what popped into my head when I said sometimes this can this can be this can be really challenging mm-hmm. for the you know for for the non doctors to have this conversation. And so just just file that away. You can absolutely overcome this, and you should overcome this. You should build a culture where you empower someone to be the boss, to be the manager, and everybody listens to them. And if the doctors won't listen to this person, that's a problem with the doctors. Probably, uh, quite possibly, not a problem with the with the individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into this. All right. We got to start with uh, the headspace. We're going to start with safe. Are we safe to have this conversation, right? Can I smile? Can I sit next to this person? If I'm so mad I can't see straight, that is not the time for me to go talk to the vet and be like, stop gossiping. Stop right. gossiping. You know, what, you, you know what happens if you gossip? and Draw the, draw the flaming, <laughs> raging sort of justice. Sort of justice happens <laughs> if you don't stop gossiping. Um, that, that's not good. So... Can right. I, like, they're gossiping, I hate it, I'm going to go home, I'm going to have dinner, and I will talk to them tomorrow or the next day. This is not mission critical, I have to do it right now. That said, you cannot put this off and put it off and put it off, which is oftentimes right. our, you know, our right. MO is, <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll talk to them tomorrow, and you right. know what, I'll talk to them the next day. You know, I'm not, it, it doesn't really seem like that big a deal anymore, because, right. uh, you know, like, looking back. I just, you know, I've got other things to do. And then, uh, you know what, I'll just, I'll just talk to him next time. And that is the cycle that repeats again and again. So you can't sure. fall into that, but, but there's that, there, and we talked about it before, there's the balance of, I do not want to be raging, right? Justice right. is a messy, bad business that usually, uh, brings a lot of pain for everybody. And so I want to be smart. I want to be emotionally controlled. I want to be able to laugh or smile, or sit next to this person, and just talk to them about, hey, we got to talk about a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the headspace, and I want to get there without going so far that I go, you know what, I'll just talk to them next time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so S is safe. Yep. I mean, smile. Can we, can we smile? Yeah. A is assume good intent. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be real honest with you. When I'm in a bad mood, and yeah. the vet says to me, but I just want to be there for their problems. The thought that comes into my mind is bull hockey. Mm. You want to gossip. You want to gossip. You want to be, you like to gossip. You want to hear dirt. And uh, you know that this is dirt. And you just want to do what you want to do. And so you're giving me a, a, a crap line about being there to support their problems. Right. And that's when I'm hungry, when I am tired, you know, um, when I have just had it, when I've got a big thing, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like maybe like, I don't know, something like COVID that I'm trying to deal with in my practice. Right. I don't want to hear things like that. I'm just being really honest. Like that, of course, that's the first, that's the nasty voice that pops into my head first. Yeah. Um, of course it is. And there's probably some justification for that voice. That voice may come with a confidence of experience. That's not a productive voice. Okay. Uh, a lot of times I think people here assume good intent and go, Andy's naive. I am not naive. I have seen a lot in my life. You know, I have seen a lot of, a lot of people, but I am more interested in being productive and effective than anything else. You can be righteous or effective. Choose one. Um, I choose effective. And that means I'm going to assume good intent. Why? Because it puts me in a better headspace. And number two, it lets me approach this conversation from a constructive way as opposed to an argument about what the doctor's intentions are. Because if I go in and look, you, you just want to gossip. Now we are having an argument about whether or not this person wants to gossip or wants to help. There is no resolution to this argument. There is no right. proof. There is no, I, am, there's, I cannot win an argument with you about what your intentions are. It's a waste mm-hmm. of everyone's time and emotion. Yeah. And it poisons the water so that then I can't come back later on and have a productive conversation about the thing we actually fix, which is the behavior. 
Right. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. So assume good intent. Let's to, to be effective here. I am going to assume that they genuinely want to help. They are, uh, they are trying to help the techs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to them as if they are trying to help the techs. I'm going to assume that that is true and it is going to set me up for success. So that's the A. The F is a failure. Has this person been set up to fail? What here is my fault? Okay. So let me put that to you, Stephanie. Uh, so, um, so I'm the gossiping doctor. You're the practice manager. Uh, I am leaning into gossip. I am listening. I am holding court in the doctor's office with two technicians sitting and talking to me about other, other people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and home lives, things like that. And I, and I'm, I am, I am talking to them, um, about, uh, about things that don't need to be talked to at work and that are ultimately mm-hmm. toxic. Um, how have I been set up to fail, Stephanie? How is this your fault in any way, shape or form? So it's funny that you asked that question because to me, when I like sat down and, and listened and read through the, the problem, uh, for me, my focus on the conversation is entirely on the F and the E here in safe. Um, so I think that this is probably actually where, um, the answers lie because I actually assume probably 98% of the time that this person has been set up to fail and it's not my fault because we do a very poor job, uh, particularly in veterinary medicine, but in workplaces in general, of um, not only defining what gossiping is and demonstrating what it looks like for our teams so that they can recognize it, um, but also enforcing the consequences of that negative behavior. And so for me, if I have not made it crystal clear and every member of my team not only knows what the definition of gossiping or subgrouping or whatever you call it within your practice is, um, what toxic behavior is, but also what they look like and sound like, then I, as the, as the manager or the leader, have definitely set this person up to fail. And I mm. need to point the fingers back at me when I'm pointing my finger at someone else um, and say, let's, let's start with what does this what does this look like? Let me do my job because how can I hold you accountable to not doing it if I haven't clearly defined it? So for me, the, a lot of the conversation I think we're going to have today centers around what can I do to solve that? So that when I do have this conversation, this person has not been set up to fail. The expectation has been made very clear. They know, and now I'm just able to hold them accountable very easily instead of having to go through the conversation of, oh, well, I didn't consider that gossip, just like the doctor said here, I just really wanted to be there and and be an open ear for them. Um, Because that is a good intention. Like wanting the staff to be able Mm -hmm. to come to them with problems is 100% a great intention. I want doctors that are empathetic that want to work in conjunction with the team. I just want it to be healthy and productive. And I think we often fail our team members um, in terms of, in terms of, defining what that looks like and setting up expectation for them. Yeah, I agree. And that brings us to E, which is the end result. Yeah. I mean, just nail it for us, Stephanie. What is the end result? What, what do I want to accomplish here? Yeah, so I think, um, the, I think you want to ha- accomplish having a conversation with your team, but also with the doctor or doctors one-on-one um, and defining what you, what your expectation is, what the, what gossip is as a, as a team. Um, you know, this is something that I actually do with my team as a whole, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but making clear to them how you want them to learn and grow from these opportunities. Cause let's be real, we're human and human nature is to gossip. So, um, I think we have to be open and embrace that. And, um, for me, a positive end result is my team being able to recognize it and self-police it in themselves. Right. I love that. I think police it in themselves is the key. Um, yeah, th- that, that's, that's what I want. I, not, I, think, I think a lot of us take the short view, which is I want, to, I want this person to stop the gossiping. Right. The long view is 
I want everybody to stop gossiping and it to be something that doesn't come up to me to deal with. Like that, right. that's a, a more ambitious goal. I think, I think that's the end result that, that we're working for. And so yeah. just getting someone to stop gossiping, good, definitely better than where we are. Uh, it's, I think, I think the real end result is fix this problem so that it stays fixed. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Why does gossip happen? So I, I think you, you hit it in the how they've been set up to fail, in my opinion. Uh, most, I think a lot of it starts with defining gossip, mm-hmm. right? And so we say, don't gossip. And they go, but I was talking about Cheryl's divorce affecting her work. Right. That's work. <laughs> That's not gossiping. Like, no, it's not. She's <laughs> talking about how her hair looks awful and clients notice. <laughs> work. Hashtag work related. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's what, that, that's what I, I get that. That's what I end up hearing. I was like, ah, uh huh. So, uh-huh. okay. I, I laugh because we've heard those, you know, we've heard those responses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you got to define God here. Here's, here's the definition that I like. And, um, yeah, just, just, just bear with me for a second. Here's the one I, Gossip is private information about others shared in conversation or print because gossip, it can happen in your Slack channels. It can happen in your email. It can, it can happen on Facebook messenger, you know, and that stuff does trickle back into the practice. It's private information about others. That's what it is. If this person would not be comfortable sharing this information uh, themselves, then, then it's gossip that that's it if it's if it's something private about someone else that that's gossip and that does seem broad good I, i'd rather it be a little bit overly broad than overly narrow i'd rather people go yeah you know this might be gossip that i would much rather have them uh be on that side than 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 the other side where it's them going i don't know andy it did it cross the line into gossip i would rather it be too cl- i'd rather we not say things that we could say than the other way around where we say things that we probably shouldn't say because they don't quite meet the standards that have been laid out for gossip. So I, I like an overly broad definition. That That's my position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think there also needs to be, um, there also part of the definition when you're talking about something that is so broad and vague is that there has to be, um, a clear picture in someone's mind of what that looks like. And so when you say sharing private, you know, uh, private information that's being shared in conversation, um, I think that, I think that a lot of people can draw a picture of that. Um, There are others that are going to have a hard time of seeing that picture in their head. And so for me, the other part of the definition has been, you know, is this a conversation that would stop if someone if this person or someone else walked into this room. And so for my team, when they hear that, that is really easy to recognize as a behavior. Like, look, if, if, you know, if you, Andy, were sitting in the doctor's office with two of the technicians and I, as the manager walked in the room, would this conversation stop? And, or if I was the person that you were talking about and I walked in the room, would the conversation stop anything that falls in that, um, in that zone to me is, is the definition of, of that, gossip. That's so good. Would this conversation stop if another person walked into the room or if that person is being talked about walking in the room? Yeah. Golly, that's good. I've got, golly, that's good. <laughs> um, so I don't know what the quarantine is doing weird things to me, um, <laughs> but I, I love it. I, doggone. I love that so much. <laughs> Gang. Do you ever think that your practice just might be overpaying to accept credit cards? Are you confused with you uh, when you read through your credit card processing statements? Look, if you do, you're, you're not alone. Merchant Cost Consulting has the ability to reduce your credit card processing fees without switching your current payment processor, your bank, or your practice management software. Look, let me give you an example. If you're currently using Covetris and it integrates with WorldPay, let's just say, all that would say the exact same. You simply let the experts at MCC reduce your credit card processing fees to the bottom line, again, without 
changing anything. Merchant Cost Consulting can do an initial audit of your statements. They can present potential savings, and they can even talk to you about the recouped fees that you're eligible for. And then they'll go get that money for you on your behalf. They're compensated only by sharing what they save your business, and that's it. If they can't save you money with your current processor, then you don't pay them a dime. Go to merchantcostconsulting.com slash uncharted to learn more. Just... Just go check it out. See if see if you can save that money. Merchantcostconsulting.com slash uncharted. Oh man. Thank you. So, Thank you. so yeah. All right. Why <laughs> back on the rails. Uh, why does this happen? Number one, uh, a clear definition of gossip. People don't understand what it is, and we we really do have to lay it. It it yeah. can't be one of those things where you know it if you see it. Because people will lie to themselves, uh, or, you know what I mean, or they will convince themselves. People are really great at justifying what they want to do. We all know sure. that. Like they yeah. will figure out how to justify it. And so having something that is concrete, like if this conversation would stop, if the if a person walked into the room, uh, I think that is a great guideline. I think people will lie to themselves sometimes and be like, "Oh, I would totally say it to her face." No, you wouldn't. Uh, right. But yeah, I would. No, you wouldn't. Um, right. And so I think there's that, and, and that's why I also like the the, the definition of. This is private information uh, shared about someone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Um, bang. So anyway, it's not clearly defined, which is which is why it it happens. It, it's part of it. Now that's number one. Number two, we are wired for gossip. I mean, this is ev- evolutionary caveman brain natural selection wired for gossip. We are made for tribes and community, and gossip is vital because we're uh, we're always reading status. We are always looking at our at our community, our surrounding area. Is my status up? Is my status down? Has my status been diminished? Am I being slighted? And those things have evolutionary bases of what it means to be part of a of a of a tribe of a, of a hierarchy of a community. And so we are real tuned in to status, which is why people give a crap about the royal family. Like people are like, oh, let's right. find out. They we want to know the gossip, the dirt on the royal family. I don't. I despise them. But I still kind of want to know when they make a mistake. Uh, and right. I don't know why. It, it really is because it's, it's hierarchy. You know, it's why we care so much about dirt on celebrities. We feel like we know them. We feel like they're at the top of the tribal hierarchy for some reason. I think our, our caveman brain is confused by modern media. Um, but we want that dirt. We want to know what the status is, whose status is down, whose status is up. And so don't let's, – let's not sell ourselves short like this is just a – a fun thing. I think a lot of people like it more than other people. But we are all wired to see value in gossip. Yeah. And I think that is actually the reason why the stance that um, the doctors want the staff to be able to come to them with problems. They want to be a sounding board. Sounding boards can be a very um, dangerous thing, I think, for the exact reason um, that you just talked about, Andy, which is that there is some innate wiring in all of us that um, trades in the currency of status and Mm. knowing where other people stand matters. And so when you have someone who's listening to you and acting as a soundboard, they're understanding, they're relating to you. You as a human are getting validation from that person. And then um, most of the time, you don't do anything because you feel better. You feel the, the, the sort of righteousness comes out. You feel like you have been heard and validated because they haven't done anything with the information that you have given them. And Mm -hmm. so nothing gets resolved. And at the same time, the other person now walks away from the conversation with the perception, their perception having been shifted because you have shared your feelings and, and, and your thoughts with them. And it's human nature to then be colored by that. When we have someone that we have a relationship with who's sharing information with us um, and we don't challenge that perception, you, it's really easy to go, Hmm. Maybe Andy was right. Maybe she really is, you know, maybe she really is taking this out on us. Maybe she really is just a bitch. And maybe I need to think about that. Like, that's how our human brains are wired. And so Mm -hmm. the cycle continues itself. The frustration continues. And instead of of the sounding board um, really, truly supporting you as as a person and challenging you to think critically and do something with the information, they've just reinforced 
that caveman brain behavior of wanting to be committed to both being liked and being right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. Other triggers uh, include boredom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think when people start standing around and right. they, they're, yes. you know, they're on the yeah. clock and uh, yeah. boredom is something that, that comes to, you don't need, you don't need internet access to do it. Uh, you don't have to have your phone. You can just start up uh, as soon as there, you don't have to have uh, someone willing to talk to you. You just have to have someone to listen. Right. And so I, I think that boredom is a big thing. And so if we've got people standing around, uh, <laughs> idle hands are the devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. I think the old saying goes, um, we may need people to be busier. It may be that we are not uh, setting people up so that they know how to fill their time when we're not seeing appointments. That may be something that we need to address of what the expectations are when we're not busy or, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm curious what your thoughts are on boredom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that it definitely creates an environment that is very much ripe for um, talking. We Humans, humans uh, struggle with silence. We're not built. Um, we have to really lean into silence. Generally, we like to connect and relate to other humans. And so... When people are bored and people are standing around and it's, you know, dare I say the Q word, when it's quiet in a practice, that's when it's really easy to start the side conversations and start talking about, you know, home and, and topics that stray further and further off of work. And before you know it, you're having a conversation about, you know, well, gosh, you know, uh, Katie was so, um, you know, so snappy to everybody yesterday and, oh, but, you know, she told Sarah, that her and her husband had a big fight and, you know, have you, what do you know about that? And note that it, it starts off very, um, innocently and simply, but when there is boredom happening, that is, that is often when it's, uh, very easy for it to get out of hand pretty quick. Yeah. Lack of information from the clinic is one that uh, a lot of research or lack of information yes. from the business is one that a lot yes. of uh, research has shown in other industries to be the case. So the example yeah. I'll give of that is let's say that um, let's say that one of the corporate groups, so you have working in an independent practice and representatives from the corporate group came to tour the place. Uh, all of a sudden, everyone is wondering what is going on. Are yep. we going to have a new boss? Is Dr. Andy going to leave? Is he right. going, you know what I mean? Is he a millionaire now? Uh, you know, all, all of these things that pop yeah. up and people go, and mostly it's less about is, is doctor that's selling, uh, is he a millionaire? Oh, there's probably some of that sort of personal gossip, but most of it is around. What does this mean for us? Right. Am sure. I, am I going to work for Mars, uh, in a week? Is that and not, not, right. not bad. Just any, uh, we all freak out about change, especially sure. change we have no control over. And sure. so that is a thing that I see in practices a lot where, there, someone will come in and there'll be an, a letter from a corporate consolidator group laying on the table and they'll go, right. Oh my God, we're all going to get sold. And then they just don't realize that, you know, practice owners today get seven of those a week uh, right. right now. Right. But, you know what I mean? But, but it is, it, it can be a lack of information. And uh-huh. there are some things that practice owners and practices and organizations and, and corporations can't really share with everybody. And that's part of it. There's a lot of things that could be clearly communicated. And so, for example, if you own the practice and someone gets fired up because there's a letter from a corporate consolidator on your desk and you hear this gossip, address it, you know, just say, Hey, this is not the plan. It's, you know, we get these, um, this is not in the plan. We don't have any indication or intention of selling and, and that's it. So, I think that we can do a lot, especially at that type of gossip or figuring out, are these people gossiping because they are, because they need information and they don't have it, or they're worried about what it means for them. I think a lot of times we can, we can communicate clearly to the group and we can take a lot of this tension away and we can take that type of gossip off the table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Early bullying or undermining behavior. Uh, Gossip can be a bully tactic. It starts yeah. with, uh, it's very, it's very passive, you know, um, again, go back to caveman brain inclusion and exclusion is a big deal. I have daughters, I have young daughters and I, I yeah. read a lot about, um, 
uh, you know, about, about parenting daughters. And I, I, I want to do a good job. Uh, I, so I, I read uh, about, about that stuff, especially I have a, a real interest in social media and the effects that social media have on us. Like that is a, a sort of a passion of mine right now is what is this really doing to us? And the research on social media and girls, uh, I mean, and I yeah. say girl, girls in yeah. girls is uh, scary. And the, uh, we don't tend to see as nearly the negative impacts of social media on boys as we do on girls. Right. And the reason is because boy bullying tends to be physical. They right. tend to push each other down on the playground, mm -hmm. threaten each other, you know, beat mm -hmm. each other up, stuff like that. Girl bullying is inclusion and exclusion. It is mm -hmm. the in-group and the out-group, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and that is a power play. And that is, um, that is, that is young, young woman or, uh, you know, teenage girl that is bullying. And yeah. gossip is a tool of bullies in our practices of signaling who's on the inside and who's on the outside, who's right. getting talked to and who's getting talked about. And they, you know, build clicks and, and build coalitions that way. And so it can be a really toxic behavior. And in that case, it's not a benign thing. It's a bully tactic. And if you continually have have problems with someone gossiping, especially hurtful gossiping, gossiping that that puts people down or, or excludes them, you might be dealing with a bully, in which case gossiping is not the cause. It right. is a symptom of the cause. You don't have a gossip problem. You have a bully problem. And if you fix your bully problem, your gossip problem will probably go away. Yep. So yep. power plays, uh, bullying. And then there's the last thing is just the um, – desire for attention or social status. Yeah. They're really not trying to hurt anybody. They just want to feel important. And uh, we, we try to recognize that behavior and, and see if we can address it, see if we can work with that person. Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. But, but those are the reasons that I tend to see and, and that the, at the literature supports that we have gossip. Well, and I think that last one, um, you know, number four about the desire for attention and, and the idea of uh, gossip being social status currency, you know, we feel all of that when we're in, you know, middle school, junior high, high school. Um, and then for some of us, it, it goes away. For some of us, it never goes away. Um, and I think the, the reality is that in a lot of practices, there are a lot of all female um, environments and you can try really hard to weed that out and if you don't it is it I think it is just the innate human nature for some people to be wired to trade on that on that social status currency and so I think it's hard I think we see it a lot more I have seen it a lot more and particularly in practices that are female dominated um and it it it's awful and it's and it's icky and nobody likes feeling like that. And so that's where I often see it going very quickly from zero to 60 in terms mm. of feeling toxic and very bullying um, are, are in those environments. Well, uh, yeah, I, I just want to jump in. When, so when I was talking, just to be real clear with everybody, when I was talking about, you know, um, uh, girls and social media and ex inclusion exclusion. I, I don't say that to imply that this is um, that this is a, a, a female problem. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess what, the reason I, or this is something innate in, in women. I, I, I don't know. I, guess I, I put that forward as classic examples of inclusion exclusion being used uh, in, in, in bullying and status. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not comfortable tying it necessarily to gender. I just, I don't have, I don't have the, I don't have the research on that, I guess is, is what I'm saying. So I, I'm just sure. sort of wary of, of, of those sorts of things. I just didn't want anyone to say, Andy says it starts with girls and right. then this is gossip <laughs> is, is, is innate. Like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm well, saying look, is I mean, I've, I've known some girls. Uh, yeah. It, it involves <laughs> inclusion, exclusion. And that's just an example of how inclusion, exclusion can be used to bully is the schoolyard and social media. And so For that's, sure. that's where we've got research. So that's what I was trying to say. Okay. How do we fix it, Steph? We've talked all about it. We talked about what's going on. We've hinted at this. Let's just lay down the plan. Boom, boom, bang, boom, bop of what do we need to do to fix this problem? And I'll, I'll go first. Cause I have the first one. I want to, I'll go first <laughs> because this falls squarely into my mantra of the repeated surprise. If you were surprised over and over and over again about something at some point, it's not a surprise anymore. It's your business model. Right. And so if you are dealing with gossip, Every 
week again and again and again and again, stop being surprised that people are gossiping. Right. You like, this is your bit. Your business involves gossiping. Your clinic is a gossiping clinic. At some right. point, people are not gossiping. They are working at a gossiping practice right. and own it and fix it. And I just, it's amazing how often I go, oh, we're gossiping again. I'll go stamp this down. And the next week it just comes right back up. You are chasing and treating symptoms. You are not addressing the root problem if this continues to come back again and again and again and again. Don't kid yourself. Well, and for me, I think from a manager perspective to um, the answer, some of the answer and how do I deal with this? A majority of the answer of how do I deal with this lies in, is this a repeated surprise or not? Because if it's a repeated surprise and it's happening and it's not just one person, it's not an isolated incident, then the way that you address it has to include the entire team. Um, if it's a if it's a one-person incident or it's a one-time incident, I am very much a firm believer in, look, you got to address it with the person who can do something about it. And talking to the whole team about an issue that's happening with one person does nobody any good, except for creating an environment where more gossip is going to happen. Because the whole team, bet your ass, knows that you're talking about one person, and yet they're all getting talked to about it. So for me, that is also where I would start, because how I'm going to handle it as a manager is very much going to be defined by, is this a cultural issue? Is this a repeated Mm -hmm. surprise? Have I made this my business model or not? Right. Well, so let's, let's split right there. And so there's your two different things. The, there's the, uh, issue, there's the incident and there's the culture. You know, if we have an ongoing gossip problem, that's one problem. If this is just, uh, we're seeing some gossip or something came up this week, that is a different issue. I just want to address the, Hey, someone, we had a gossip issue this week. That's your feedback model. And if uh, one of our very sure. first podcast episodes was giving feedback, how to give feedback, I think we may have another one on giving feedback specifically to doctors. Uh, that's your feedback model. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't let it go. If there's gossip, you pull the person aside. You don't make a big deal. You say, hey, listen, what happened? What are we talking about other people? When this happens, blank is what happens. Right. Can you do that differently next time? So when feeling behavior here happens, fill in the outcome here. Like when blah, 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 our whole team gets upset. We lose productivity. People don't focus. We fall behind. Uh, everybody gets extra stressed. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a nightmare. It's not how we want to start today. Can you, can you help me out with that in the future? Thanks buddy. I really appreciate it. And that's it. It's that it's 10 seconds. It's not a big deal. You're not mad. Right. You just, but just say it. Hey, you know that we don't talk about people here, right? All right. Sweet. Thanks. That's all I want to say. Yeah. Right. I appreciate you. Thank you. And walk away. And that's all you have to say. But but catch it early. You, you like this is not how you fix a chronic problem. That will right. not fix your practice gossip problem. But that will stop you from getting a practice gossip problem when someone comes in and they have a bad day. And remember, shifting baseline. Shifting baseline is we don't talk about clients or we don't talk about each other except maybe when when we're having a bad day, right? Or uh, you know, except when we're really uh, slammed and then everybody gets frustrated. And we, every now and then we just snap at each other. That's what we do. That is a march, or it can be a march towards bad behaviors where mm-hmm. at first we don't do any, and now, well, we do a little bit when we're stressed mm-hmm. and then we, you know, and then, and it just, it just marches away. That is the time is when you start seeing like, oh, you know, we're, we're just stressed. I know we're stressed. We don't talk about each other here. You got, you know, you knew that. All right. Everybody looks at you. You're a leader and, uh, and we all appreciate the heck out of you. Please help me with this. And that, and. That's it. It's, it's that much of a conversation. That's it. Say it early and be done. Uh, but catch your gossip pro- problems early. When people get in trouble is when they don't address this. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. And it gets worse and worse right. and worse because we're wired for gossip. And right. people want to do it. And know that, know that the default is not for gossip to go away. The default is for gossip to get worse. And there's a lot of things where you go, you know what? We'll just get through this. It will, it will be fine. We'll work through it, blah, blah, blah. That is not how gossip is, in my opinion, in my experience. We are we are wired for it. It tends to get a hold and it tends to go. This is something you don't have to say a lot, but you have to say something early right yeah. when you start. All right. Yeah. That, that's the individual incident. But that's well, not what we're talking about. Dr. Right, exactly. Dr. Uh, is talking about she talked to three vets this week. Right. This is a systemic problem. Right. So uh, how do we fix it? Number two, after our is this a repeated surprise or not? I think uh, we may be establishing that they're on middle ground here with repeated surprise. Um, what's in your What's in your handbook? <laughs> Big surprise coming from me. What's in your handbook? 
So this is where this is where for me it starts with what have I done? Where does where does the fault lie? Have I clearly defined for my team the definition of gossip um, and what my expectation is for how to deal with that um, behavior? And so before that, it starts with do I have a clearly defined policy about gossip? Um, and to have a policy, I think you have to be able to define it. So, um, but, but what does your, what does your handbook say? Do you have a definition? Do you have some broad stroke line that says, you know, we don't tolerate gossip, but nobody knows what that looks like. So holding somebody accountable to that is going to be really hard. And so most of the time you just gloss right over that. Um, but you have it in there because you feel like maybe eventually something would happen that you could blatantly say, this is why I'm firing this person. Look, I'm here to tell you that if you have it in your handbook for that reason, you sure as heck better have a very clearly defined uh, definition and example of what that looks like for your team. Because if you plan to hold someone accountable for gossiping as a reason to let them go, uh, you better feel very black and white about them understanding the definition of that. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So... You better have a good definition that you can use. It better be in the handbook so that you can show it to people and say, this is in the handbook. Um, it, it gives you a firm basis to go and talk to the doctor. And they say, hey, look, we don't gossip. And they say, I'm not gossiping. I am being a supportive ear and a sounding board mm-hmm. for the technicians. At this point, you have a disagreement about what the behavior is. Right. Finding a definition that lets you point to it and say, nope, this is gossip as defined in our handbook. And you can even say, look, I know that, you, I know that you're a sounding board. This is gossip in our handbook. Mm-hmm. And so you're a wonderful person, you, uh, but and you're, and, you're a wonderful person, and we need to not be having these conversations here, mm-hmm. period. Like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you, it it needs to be a decision maker. If you, I, what I don't want to do is end up in a, in a, in a, he said, she said conversation where I say you're gossiping, you say you're being supportive and I'm being insensitive. And then we just go around and around and around. Sure. So what's in the handbook needs to decide that, uh, th- that answer. And the other thing I will tell you, if you're like, you know what, we should probably put that in there. You know what? Let's put that on our list of things to do. You do not want to try to add this to the handbook after you have started the debate right like imagine <laughs> imagine your marriage and you argue with your spouse and then you, uh, based on the argument you go and write a rule about right. about what it means to you know to to i don't know to to clean the kitchen uh, that's not going to go over well but if you and your spouse can agree on what a clean kitchen looks like when nobody when the kitchen is clean and nobody wants anything then you can come back to that rule and everybody's happy because we made this rule together and you were there and it was not a big deal. And so don't wait until you're in trouble to try to make rules. That's just across the board. The exception to that, I think for me as a manager would be when it, when it has, it has clearly become a systemic issue and it's um, the culture or the business model. Um, This is where I mentioned, I actually work on this as a team and with most of the teams that I've worked on this with, it has come out of everybody actually acknowledging that there is a problem, but the part of the problem is that there was never a clear definition. And Mm -hmm. so part of this for me is creating and defining those rules as a team and not so much making it about, you know, this this isolated incident happened. So now we're going to add a piece to the handbook. It's like, Hey guys, this, this thing happened and it made me realize that I haven't done enough, I haven't done what I could to support you guys and make sure that everybody knows and understands what this looks like, what it feels like, and what um, what our stance is going to be. Let's have a conversation about this as a team and involve them in the process and, and the buy-in. Um, because for me, the only team environments where I have seen the self-policing actually happen have been environments where the whole team is bought in and understands the definition um, and can can see it and can call each other out on it. Yes. So 
option one. The, my preferred option here is to go back in time and create the policy before gossiping right. started. Sure. <laughs> the reality is sometimes we have to create the policy to fix the problem. Sure. And Stephanie, this is why you are a Stephanie uh, practice management goddess Goss, because <laughs> you you are so good at these things. It's exactly right. If, even if I come in and I make the rules and I come in and goes, guys, here's the new gossip rules. There, There's no buy-in. Right. You know, there's going to be dissension. There's going to be argument. People don't believe it, but you hit the nail on the head as far as, look, your team doesn't want to work in a gossiping practice. They love the gossip, don't want to be gossiped about. Yeah. Like that is, that is yeah. the button that you can press is what goes around comes around. Yeah. I think we should shut this gossip thing down yep. and, and then let them create the policy and they'll let them create the policy for a practice that they want to work in. And honestly, guys, you will come out with a good result because they don't want to be in a toxic gossip practice. It's funny. People participate and they hate it when other people participate. And, and that's it. So if you put that on the table in front of them and go, this is what's going to happen. And if you talk, you get talked about and we've got people talking about each other. And I don't want to work in this place or in a place like that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how we are going to fix this. And then break them up, let them discuss, you know, write your definition on a flip chart. I, what I would do is give them some examples, like the one that I just gave, pull mm-hmm. some HR resources and say, uh, you can Google HR gossip and you will find a variety of definitions. Give them some tools to work with. Give them some examples and let them just go through the process of talking. Here's the other thing. Even if they go around and around and around and finally end up with the exact definition that you want to use, which often they do, Getting the definition is only part of the goal. The objective here is not just to get a definition. It's to lead the exercise of all of them talking about what is gossip, thinking about what is gossip, thinking about how gossip can be harmful, thinking about what it would be like if people were gossiping about them. Mm -hmm. That is time well spent. Mm -hmm. And so it's just funny. I get people cross their arm and go, Andy, I told you what the definition was going to be. And then we came in and you work with my team and we spent 40 minutes talking about at the tables and just talk to each other. And then we just chose the definition that I put out at the very beginning. And I say, you're welcome. <laughs> right? They spent 40 <laughs> minutes talking about the definition that you want them to have. And they think it's their definition. <laughs> you can send my invoice too. And I get them the address. But that, that's, that's it. You know, but that, that is, that, <laughs> that's true. So anyway, the buy-in is super, super important. Mm-hmm. That's what we talk about. Uh, define and model that in your team. It's amazing how many people talk to me about the gossip problem they have in their practice, and then they themselves gossip in their practice, but they call it, they call it management. You know, it's, I'm a sympathetic ear. I have an open door. Everyone else is gossiping. I am operating an open door policy practice. It's like, nope. Culture comes from the top. The most, the most, uh, the the biggest struggling practice with gossips I have ever seen, or when you have a gossip, a gossiping practice manager. Yeah, And I'm sure the owners are the same, but I, I've just seen the managers, but the owner would be exactly the same. It's when the leader couches it or, or they pretend that this is work, this is listening to employees, and they have people come to their office and sit and shoot the bull Thanks. and gossip, and then they wonder why they have a gossip problem. It's got to start at the top. And, and I have to say here, I very much you and I both believe that people have good intentions that's how we both live our lives Mm -hmm. and I think that this for me is one of the most defining examples from a practice management perspective of where people have good intentions it's the same with the doctor the intentions of wanting the staff to to feel comfortable and safe and trust them to be able to talk to them about their problems, that is 100% good intention. Mm-hmm. The, the concern comes from when the person who is receiving the information, who is being the sounding board, who is listening, has not been taught, and it is very much a learned behavior, has not been taught what to do with that information and how to hand it back. And so I feel really, really blessed that early in my career, um, I worked with uh, a practice management consulting company and I learned a lot. And I think one of the the most important defining lessons that I took away from my experience with them was the idea that um, and the, the understanding of what a true open door policy, what a true sounding board, what a true listening ear 
looks like because it doesn't it doesn't end with the listening it it you listen and then there very much is a pause and if open door does not then look like you turning back to the person and helping them assess the assumptions that they're making looking at their triggers helping them mold the what they want to say to that person and the how they want to say it if you're not insisting on follow-up communication from them to that person and checking in with them afterwards, then you very much are be being a receptacle for gossip. And I didn't, that is very much something that people have to learn. You have to be taught that. And so I think this is an area where so many of us, managers, practice owners, doctors, team members, we we have the best of intentions. We want to create an environment of safety and trust, and we want to be there for our team. And at the same time, we don't know how to take it to the next level. And so this is where I think that we have to look at our doctors and our team, and we have to model for them, what does it look like after you've done the listening? Right. I completely agree. So, yep, I love it. The last thing that I will say on this, doctors don't get special treatment. We have a podcast, out, I, and I'll try to scroll back, and I didn't, I didn't see it, but essentially it's uh, doctors have different rules from the techs. Mm-hmm. And we have a podcast on that, um, and so if you have this, this idea that the techs have to follow the rules and the doctors don't, we do have a whole podcast on that. Um, it's, actually, it's actually one of my favorites. I actually really enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. So that is there. That is very true here. You cannot have a practice where the Doctors can gossip and the techs cannot. And you think that that's going to be a healthy practice. You know, it, it, it's not. It's mm-hmm. um, You're mm-hmm. just setting yourself up for, for frustration. So uh, decide what your policies are on gossip and what gossip is. And then you apply it evenly and fairly across the hospital. And that means applying it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I know owners and, or managers who, and I think I'm talking to one right now. I know I'm talking to one right now who's written herself up for mistakes that she has made. You know what I mean? And it, that's integrity. That is that's saying, supposed to be a secret. Oh, you've done that before. I 100% have. I'm serious. Um, we make rules. And we uh, if we break the rules that we expect everyone to follow, integrity is saying, I did this. And I... And, um, I I have absolutely stood in front of my in front of our team, and you you know it. You've probably seen it before, and said, "I tell you guys, we don't do this, or or that or that this is um you know this is a rule for us." And then I did the thing that I tell you guys not to do, and I want to stand here and apologize to you and say that I I know that I did that, and I saw it, and I just you know insert excuse here, but I saw it, and and I just want to tell you that I saw it. I'm sorry, and okay. I won't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and- Yeah. And I think that in order to create a culture where your team is going to self-police, that that is something that has to be there. There has to be the the trust and the vulnerability to say, look, we're human. We screw up. I 100% have had moments where I have gossiped absolutely unintentionally. And when I step back and look at it, I'm like, holy crap, I just broke the rule and did what I what I have told my team is not okay. You have to own that. And when you create an environment where it is safe to own that and say, hey, I'm a human, I screwed this up um, and I want to apologize for it. And there's no, there's no, um, you know, explaining it away. There's no um, uh, excuses, but it's just like, look, I'm, I'm human. I did this and I'm sorry for it. When you create that culture, it becomes, um, it becomes second nature and easy for your team to call each other out and to say, hey, I feel like maybe we're steering into the gossiping, um, you know, area Mm -hmm. here, gossiping land. Maybe we should talk about how we're going to fix this problem or what are we going to do about, what are you going to do about it? How do you want to talk to this person? Steering it back and putting it back on them to say, um, you know, what are you going to do about it? And I think that's, um, that's the mark of true leadership and it doesn't have to come from the top. In fact, I very much want it to come peer to peer. I want, yeah. My doctors in this situation to recognize that and be able to say, hey, I want to help you. How can I help you have that conversation with yeah. Sarah about what she did to you or said to you? Um, what support, do, you know, can I can I give you? Can I help you practice what you want to say? Um, you know, can we can we write things down together? 
putting it back on them and being sport that that clears up the areas of gray and makes it be shades of black and white that look, you can, you can vent, you can share your frustrations and you bet your ass you're going to get me saying, what are you going to do about it? How can I help you solve the problem? Because if I just sit there and listen to you, then I am gossiping. Well, you talk about a mature doctor, the doctor that has the staff come and talk to them and then coaches the staff. I mean, that give me, give me those doctors because I mean, really that is, I mean, if you're a young, I know we have a lot of young doctors that listen to the podcast. Um, yeah. If, if you're able to just to sit in there and turn these conversations back productive and you have the guts to say, I feel like this is drifting over into the gossip territory. Uh, I, I, to it, takes time to get there, but that should be what we aspire to. And at some point, if you have the confidence to say that, you're probably a damn good doctor. Uh, yeah. So, so that, I, I think that that's, that's great. Okay. Let me see. There's one other thing I was going to say about, Oh, you know, and again, last a Jedi mind trick I'll, I'll throw out right as we, as, as we're walking out the door, I, this is me like walking out the door and sticking my head back I into know. the door to say one last thing. Um, you want to motivate behavior change and you want get people to hear you. There and you, it's got to be true, you know, Steph. You and I talk about vulnerability, and we talk about the power of vulnerability, and we talk about vulnerability is a core value at Uncharted. is one of our core values. The power of vulnerability is going into your staff and saying, "Guys, I've made this mistake. I have done this, and um, it is something that I don't want to do anymore. And so I've made this mistake. This policy is as much about me as it is about you. Uh, but but there needs to be a policy, and and we need to do it differently, starting with me. Let's work together and figure out how we as a team are going to address this. And man, it's um, like people don't realize the first battle you fight with the team when you try to make a new rule or change a policy is you're trying to convince them that they're guilty and get them to agree that they are guilty of what right. you are saying. Right. And if I walk in and say, no, nope, I'm guilty. We as a team are guilty because I am a part of the team and I'm telling you that I am guilty and right. I want to change this. Uh, at some point, they might be like, well, we'll just do it. We'll do it for Andy because he needs help. That's fine. Right. I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> But that's, that is vulnerability as a leader to say, this is a bad habit of mine. I know it's a bad habit. I don't want to have this habit. I don't, I don't want to work in a place where this is the the standard and I'm, and I'm causing it and I am, I don't want that. And I want to fix it. And I want you guys to help me fix it. And that's, that's vulnerability. I'm telling you it works. It works really, really well. All right. That's all I got. I love it. I love it. I hope, I hope this helped for Dr. Hurd through the grapevine. (laughs) Through the grapevine. All right, cool. I hope so too. Take care, Steph. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a good one, guys. And that's our episode. Guys, I hope you liked it. I hope you had a great time. If you've got questions for us, just fire them away. Put them in the mailbag. Mailbag? Mailbag. Mailbag. Let's uh, just, why don't you send it by uh, electronic message? You can do that by sending it to podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. We'd love to get it from you. We'd love to hear what's going on. Give us enough information that we could really dig our teeth into it. Big, juicy Stephanie Goss steak that she can work on. And I'll come along for the ride. That's what I'm asking for. I hope you have a great, great week. Guys, let's be the people that our patients deserve. <laughs>